Good morning, everyone. It's time for another edition of Transformation Radio.
And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our scripture comes from the book of Luke, Dr. Luke, chapter 1. We'll read verses 57 through 80. Verses 57 through 80. We'll read about circumcision. The circumcision ceremony was an important event to the family of a Jewish baby boy. God commanded circumcision when he was beginning to form his holy nation, and he had reaffirmed it through Moses. This ceremony was a time of joy when friends and family members would celebrate the babies becoming part of God's covenant nation. Family lines and family names were important to the Jews. And we'll read here today that the people naturally assumed the child would receive Zechariah's name, or at least a family name. They were surprised, therefore, that both Elizabeth and Zechariah wanted to name the boy John. This was the name the angel had given them. Now, Zechariah's relatives talked to him by gestures because he was apparently deaf as well as speechless and had uh, not heard what his wife had said. Well, Zechariah praised God with his first words after months of silence. In a song that's often called the Benedictus after the first words in the Latin translation of this passage, Zechariah prophesied the coming of a Savior who would redeem his people and predicted that his son John would prepare the Messiah's way. All the Old Testament prophecies were coming true. Well, no wonder Zechariah was praising God. The Messiah would come in Zechariah's lifetime, and his son had been chosen to pave the way. That would make any daddy proud. We'll read on here, and we'll find that this was God's promise to Abraham to bless all peoples through him. And, of course, that would be fulfilled through the Messiah, Abraham's descendant. Zechariah had just recalled hundreds of years of God's sovereign work in history, beginning with Abraham and going on into eternity. Then, in tender contrast, he personalized a story. His son had been chosen for a key role in the drama of the ages. Although God has unlimited power, he chooses to work through frail humans who begin as helpless babies. Hey, don't minimize what God can do through those who are faithful to him who lean on him and not uh, on their own understanding. Why did John live out in the wilderness? Prophets used the isolation of the uninhabited wilderness to enhance their spiritual growth and to focus their message on God. By being in the wilderness, John remained separate from the economic and political powers so that he could aim his message against them. He also remained separate from the hypocritical religious leaders of his day. His message was different from theirs, and his life proved it. Now, there was a census being ordered by Rome. A Roman census, registration that is, was taken to aid military conscription or tax collection. The Jews weren't required to serve in the Roman army, but they could not avoid paying taxes. Augustus's decree went out in God's perfect timing and according to God's perfect plan to bring his son into the world. And now let's begin reading here today in the New Testament. March 15th, the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, No, 
His name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and gave this prophecy, Praise the Lord! the God of Israel, because He has visited and redeemed His people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of His servant David, just as He promised through His holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering His sacred covenant, the covenant He swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies, so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness, for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation, through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Psalm 58, verses 1 through 11. The Old Testament is filled with references to justice. It's a key topic in the Psalms. Unfortunately, many judges and rulers in ancient times took justice into their own hands. They had complete authority with no accountability and the power to make their own laws. When earth's judges are corrupt, well, there is little hope of justice in this life. But God loves justice, and those who obey Him will experience perfect justice in eternity. Now, shifting from prayer to prediction, David fervently calls for justice that veers into grisly judgment. Broken fangs and smashed jaws give way to the godly waiting in the blood of the wicked. The words convey ugly pictures of the gruesome results of sin. Even uglier pictures of the darkness are often revealed by our own demands for justice and more. This is certainly not the only time David's forceful sense of justice turned back on him. Ironically, David himself would eventually occupy the throne and be subject to the very judgment he called down on others. We can be grateful that God hears our prayers, but we can also be grateful that God doesn't have to abide by our requests. Psalm 58, verses 1 through 11. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Justice, do you rulers know the meaning of the word? Do you judge the people fairly? No, you plot injustice in your hearts. You spread violence throughout the land. These wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth, they have lied and gone their own way. They spit venom like deadly snakes. 
They are like cobras that refuse to listen, ignoring the tunes of the snake charmers, no matter how skillfully they play. Break off their fangs, O God! Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord! May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. Make their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime. Like a stillborn child who will never see the sun. God will sweep them away, both young and old, faster than a pot heats over burning thorns. The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. They will wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then, at last, everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. He had concubines and wives, he called his Babylon paradise. On his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well, the people feasted and drank their wine And praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man And but the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his pride For he was weighed in the balance And found wanting His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand He was weighed in the balance And found wanting His houses were built upon the sand What was written by the mystic hand Belshazzar tried but couldn't find A man who could give him peace of mind But Daniel the prophet, a man of God He saw the writing on the wall in blood Belshazzar asked him what it said And Daniel turned to the wall and read My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand You're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your houses are built upon the sand My name is David Durr uh, Phasing up today from phase one to phase two From Cincinnati, Ohio Um, I uh, spent most of my life Um Growing up in the church, my dad was a preacher, um, 
and I just uh, never really had a personal relationship with Christ. Um, I I thought I did, wanted to give up the parts of me that I wanted to, and um, that got me nowhere good. Um, ended up, uh, started about 19, using my brother's ID, going to bars, um, and pain pills, things like that, uh, escalated on to using heroin, um, and really let a lot of people down, let my brothers, uh, my mom down, um, and here a month ago came up, uh, just ready to completely make a change in my life, ready to give it all to God. Um, and I did that just completely, uh, gave it all up and told God that I was, I wanted him to come into my life and completely change me. And over the last month, um, I have felt his peace and reassurance like I never have before, um, made some friendships, um, like I've never had before and, uh, never really had people be there for me and show that they care and love the way that, that I've seen over the past month, um, Usually most people that I've been friends with are just your friend whenever you have something that they want. But um, I have completely made a transformation and I am really looking forward to what God has for me, has in store for me. Uh, this is uh, Dustin Green again. Uh, I'm going to give a couple uh, quick shout outs and affirmations. Uh, I'm going to give one to David Basie. Um, you know, I'd like to be recognized right now that, um, you know, throughout <clears throat> about eight months of my incarceration, being, being in prison, that you wrote me, you know, you was a true friend to me, um, just poured into me and just continued to encourage me to come to the ministry, you know, and I thank God that he put you in my life to help me get to the ministry. Um, I want to thank uh, Pete Roach and Brian Kilgus, man, you two are uh, my best friends, man. Uh, I thank God that he put you guys in my life. You know, it uh, hasn't been an easy road up until here. You deal with the recent circumstances, but I just want to know I love you guys. Um, thank you for putting up with my stuff here and there. Um, you know, I'm excited for what God's doing in our life. And uh, Pete, you know, and Brian, I just I thank you for keeping it real with me 100% all the time and allowing me to just share what God's done in my life with you and you guys absorbing it and applying it to your guys' life. Uh, I love you both and all the other guys in the ministry. I love you all also. Thank you. Good morning. This is Pastor Mike. I'll be reading Heaven on Earth devotional. I really want you to listen up to this title and this devotional I'll be reading um, and the verse as well. Um, it's very important that we get this in our walk and understand that each one of us are important and the role that we have in the kingdom of God here on earth is very, very important. Today's title is Line of Succession. The verse I'll be reading is Luke 22, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, 
just as my Father conferred one on me. Most Christians are humbly reluctant to see their role in the kingdom as significant. We say, it's all Him. And there's truth to that. As He told His followers in John 15, 5, they can do nothing without Him. But He didn't say they had no importance. They have no role in His kingdom. Or that they have no authority in that role. He did not call them meek and lowly servants who should never assume anything more than that they were sinners saved by grace. No, he actually elevated them to the status of friends and conferred on them a kingdom, like a prince going away on a journey. He gathered his closest loyal partners around him and gave them royal responsibilities. The fascinating line in this verse is about how this kingdom is being conferred. As it said in Luke 22, verses 28 and 29, just as my Father conferred one on me. This is not something less than the Father's gift to the Son, not a responsibility more suited to a mere employee, but in the same way as His Father handed the kingdom over to Him, we can hardly believe Jesus would entrust such a treasure to this group of followers. But He did it anyway. And that begs a startling question. Did he also hand it over to us? He must have. The first group of disciples is no longer around to manage kingdom affairs. It's true that they have a special role in sitting on the thrones and judging the 12 tribes of Israel, as verse 30 tells us. But the kingdom is handed down to every successive generation of royal stewards. That's us. We have a huge role to play. Don't take that role lightly. Let it shape your priorities, your goals in life, your relationships now and forever, and even your moment-by-moment interactions and activities. Your words matter. Your decisions matter. Your attitudes matter. Everything in your life is now kingdom business. The prince has said so. The kingdom given to him by the Father is, in very significant ways, in your hands. Winston Churchill said this, The price of greatness is responsibility. And if you would like additional reading, I encourage you to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And just remember that uh, you are significant, you are important, And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have this role in the kingdom of God, that we have been restored to the Father, and that we can bring through Christ restoration to our communities, to our hearts, to transformation in our own lives and beyond. And I just want to encourage you to live as kingdom-minded men.
concludes today's broadcast. I pray that everyone who tuned in today was blessed by what they heard, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.